Welcome to another episode of Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Melito connors a PhD-level self-care expert in the greater Boston area with a passion for helping others recognize the importance of caring for themselves. Today, we are speaking with Julie Sohaki. Julie is a mother of two boys and a clinical associate professor of English and director of the English Secondary Education Program at the University of Hartford. Julie is an urban educator and has Connecticut credentials as an English language arts teacher, literacy specialist, and intermediate administrator. She also holds a Juris Doctorate, or a JD, and is a member of the Connecticut Bar. In her coaching practice, she meets teachers where they are and moves them forward with wisdom, motivation, and grace. She is passionate about bringing mindfulness into the classroom. She is also an author at Faculty Focus and a 2021 recipient of the University of Hartford Innovations in Teaching and Learning Award. She is a member of the Connecticut State Department of Education's Educator Preparation Advisory Council, and she is also a yoga teacher at Kripal U and a Reiki master. Julie's work aligns very much with my passions. A fellow PhD classmate connected us a few years back as she recognized the overlap in our work. The first podcast guest experience Dr. MC ever made was on Julie's The Resilient Teacher podcast. How exciting that I can now have her as a guest on mine. Full circle, as they say. I am excited to learn from Julie about the important work she is doing. I know she has some fabulous tips for us. And here's our conversation. Well, thanks, Julie, for joining us here today on the Dr. MC Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm delighted to chat with you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So let's um, let's get started. I think you have a fascinating backstory. You're a professor with a Juris Doctorate, um, mom, a yoga teacher, a Reiki master, all the things. So can you tell me more about uh, kind of how all this came to be? Sure. Um, obviously, it was just one thing at a time, for sure. I didn't do all of those at once. But over the years, um, you know, I guess when I when I became a teacher, that's really what I wanted to do. And that's what I did first. And so and I still have been teaching all these years. But then I thought um, it would be really great to dive into something really intellectual. And so I decided to go to law school. And that was in my later 20s when I had, uh, you know, just a lot of energy, no children. And that was, um, you know, a great time for me. But then what I realized is once I did have my two boys trying to juggle um, a career with the, you know, children and um, really being able to take care of myself, uh, I was really a mess. And so that's how I found um, yoga and Reiki, and then eventually wanted to deepen my practice in, in both of those by taking, um, you know, the, the training courses, um, you know, that are aligned with those. And so uh, I went to Kripalu up in um, the Berkshires in Lenox, Massachusetts, um, and became a yoga instructor um, for the 200 hour program. And I wasn't perfect at yoga by any means. And um, I, I wasn't an expert then, and I'm still not now, but I just feel like I'm on the path. And so being on the path, I just wanted to take part 
and some meaningful practices that I thought could actually help me with my own self-care. So that's how I ended up um, in that area. And then um, how I ended up as a professor is simply because time went by and I was taking on um, so much at work, um, doing some um, you know, literacy coaching. I kept going back to get different certifications, um, got something in Connecticut called the 092, which is intermediate administrator. So, so doing all those types of things. And it was just so much that I just paused one day and I thought, what do I really want to do? And I, it's really teaching that I love and to be able to help teachers. And so this position offered me the opportunity to be almost like the teacher of new teachers. And so that's why I said yes to it. And I, I haven't regretted it at all. I love, it doesn't even feel like that part of my job doesn't even feel like work. Mentoring new teachers has been such a joy for me. Um, and so that's where I am, but I'm able to bring in some of my uh, yoga practices and self-care practices. And, you know, I talk about energy and how our emotions just kind of flow through us and, and all of that. And so I'm able to, come at it from different perspectives. And I also feel like the JD has really helped me. And although I'm not practicing law, um, it's helped me look at situations um, with, I think, more mental agility, having more creative um, problem solving skills. And um, so that's something that I did, but I don't practice law now. So I'm primarily a professor right now who also coaches teachers and gives talks to support teachers in the field. And they really, you know, teachers are asking for the support now more than ever with COVID. So I feel like I'm able to serve at a higher level. Awesome. That's really amazing. What, I'm just curious, what um, area of law did you focus on? Um, so it was really family law. Um, and as soon as I graduated from law school and passed the bar exam, I went right to Boston to take a three-month mediation course because I was always about being a peacemaker. So I was, you know, I was I was dubbed like the friendliest student in law school. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's quite the accomplishment. <laughs> so right then, I, you know, that was like kind of a red flag for me thinking that... <laughs> So it may not work out. <laughs> yeah, it might not work out. But, um, you know, through my mediation training, I realized that I want to bring people together. That's when I really knew um, that whether it be through, you know, family law or through just my teaching, being in a, a school building, you know, I, I taught secondary English for quite a few years um, and I was a literacy specialist in the classroom. So, um any, anything that I've done, I feel like the theme is wanting to be that peacemaker. Yeah, I really love that. And I can see that with you too in the, the little bits that I know about you. But and you did mention some self-care practices, and I know you have a lot of expertise in this area and mindfulness and resilience. So can you tell me a little bit more about what your regular self-care routine looks like? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, so when I talk to teachers about um, self-care, I can't help but talk about something that I call self-maintenance or foundational self-care. It's really our basic needs. It's something that I feel like it's critical for us to thrive both in and out of the classroom. And I call this my non-negotiable daily practice. But when I set this non -negotiable. up- Non-negotiable. I love that. Yeah, non-negotiable. 
Um, when I set this up though, I, I, you know, use mine as an example and I say, these are the things that I do, but they might not necessarily be yours. And so I have six that I try to do every day. And this is where my yoga practice comes in because I'm constantly beginning again, meaning like I am not perfect at this. And so just like in every breath, we have a chance to begin again. Um, I feel like with, with this simple practice that I'm going to tell you, I'm not doing this perfect by any means, but um, just quickly, like the six things that I try to do every day, just as a foundation um, is to hydrate, always have that glass of water by my side, um, moving my body. And that actually has become more important to me, not just for exercise, but really for like hormonal balance and mental health. Um, so just really in whatever way that I feel like just moving my body, resting, and I don't really say sleep, I say resting, because taking those breaks throughout the day, like if my body says you need a short break to rest, I want to be able to honor that if I can. Mm. Um, and I talk about doing that even on the job when we have a short break, instead of maybe choosing to be around other teachers for, for the, those 10 minutes or whatever that we might have really just kind of going within, taking some deep breaths, relaxing. Um, and then another uh, two of mine actually have to do with what I eat. And I, oh, and I love the idea of intuitive eating, like yes. eat what's good to <laughs> you. And so I never say, you know, and I don't eat like keto or a certain way. So, but I would never say, you know, eat this way or eat that way. But what I try to do um, is to reduce sugar. And that's really for my inflammation that I've been feeling like in my knees, I've done a lot of reading about that. And so I'm trying to reduce my sugar intake, not always perfect. I actually um, took a short trip and had dessert last night. So nice. Would you have some good? <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, it was kind of like a bread pudding that was, um, based on like donuts that were oh. really well known in, in their town with a, um, butterscotch drizzle with ice cream on the side. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so intuitive eating is very important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I try to increase my vegetables, um, adding them in different ways whenever I can. Um, and, you know, making that a priority. And then the last thing that I've started doing, um, and I think it was COVID related, although I, I have taken supplements in the past, I am trying to remember to take like vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, um, again, not perfect. Didn't even really bring them with me on this short trip. So, um, but you know, then when I came home, I'm back at it. So, and I have my water here where I felt like I was kind of dehydrated, um, here and there the last few days. So, these are just, again, my, my motto is begin again, because that is what we need to remember. And also, like I said, be intuitive with all of this, what feels good to you, not to somebody else, um, but really kind of like look within yourself to see what your body needs. Absolutely. Um, you said several things that I feel like I'm constantly repeating in my presentations and in my workshops and stuff. Absolutely. Like foundational self-care, what you do every day. So you show up as the best you possible. That's really, really important. And you, you highlighted several domains of self-care that you really try to hit upon, um, over the course of a day, which is excellent. Um, 
very good. Yeah. And like the other, one other thing I can say about it is the question that I'm always asking myself is like, am I being kind to myself? You know, and then if, if I'm not, then I stop because I realize that self-care is not a luxury in these times. It is such a necessity and it's really a choice that we have in each moment. So I get really nervous if I hear a teacher talking about, oh, next week, I'm going to do this to take care of myself. Mm. Um, or oh, over the like, summer or during break. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. As soon as the summer comes, I feel like it's more about frequency than duration even. It's really, you know, we have that choice in every moment, the way that we ap- approach life. And so um, just all hard work or all just like being in the grind, that doesn't do it. We really need to have um, just a, a, a full life that includes, you know, some of what I've already mentioned, but also that question I find so helpful to myself that I share with other people is, are you being kind to yourself? Because Mm. a lot of times we're not. And so we can pause and think like, what can I do right now to actually help myself? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that self-care is a choice. I think that might be the the episode title. Self-care is a choice because it is. And we can sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's a luxury. I have to do all these other things. It's like, no, you actually have to take care of yourself. First and foremost, and I know it's the reason why I got so interested in this is because I noticed it was the first thing that I used to just push to the side. And I wanted to know, like, why? Why do I do that when I know I'll feel better if I don't do that? Because it becomes a bit of an act of resistance, too, to put your needs first. And 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 I, I like, wince, too, anytime somebody says, like, oh, well, you know, over Christmas break, that's when I'll practice self-care. I'm going to get so much self-care in over the summer. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, yes, that's great. Explore, practice, maybe try something new. But, like, that's not it. It's not a one-and-done or, like, a short-term solution. It's daily. But by the same token, you don't have to do, like, every single thing every single day. But you can Mm -hmm. kind of pick and choose what's going to fit where and what makes you feel good. That's really the bottom line, getting in touch with that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just like really prioritizing a good night's sleep. Um, it can be just something simple. And that's the shift that I think some some teachers think that it needs to be, you know, spending money mm. or, um, you know, doing something that is um, outside of your house even. And I just feel like it's you know, there's so many things that we can do to take care of ourselves, just even sometimes just by sitting on a chair outside or, you know, making a cup of tea or reading a book that you really want to read. Um, that's not for work. It's any, anything like that is free and right in your own house that can happen at any time. Absolutely. I, I, also cringe at the stereotype of like you know the bubble bath or going for the fancy uh. expensive <laughs> massage it's like no 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 that does it doesn't that doesn't have to be it like like it can yeah. be it's so much more than that and you don't have to spend any money i give presentations that go on for you know i do five week like 10 hour courses and like most of what we talk about if not like 99.9 percent of it costs zero dollars i may throw a few other examples like yeah you could go to a reiki master or you could go to acupuncture like if you wanted to you do not have to you can practice really good self-care for free yeah and just just on that point like even someone who wants to practice yoga can you know there's so much on youtube right now that 
you know, you can find tons of, even if you want to meditate or relax, there's so much, um, you know, there's relaxing music or there's um, just meditations or yoga nidra where someone is walking you through a really relaxing experience. And that's really just by turning on your computer. Yeah. That's awesome. So I know you have a lot of experience with mindfulness. And so I'm wondering first for our listeners, if you could define mindfulness, but then also if you have a favorite mindfulness practice that you want to share, either for something maybe you do, or you like to teach your teachers to do. So, yeah, that's great. So, so for me, mindfulness is really being in the present moment. And I think the aha um, for me was that I, it's my point of power being in the present moment. If I'm in the past, if I'm in the future, it usually has something to do with anxiety or worry or regret or, or some, something else that then is like, you know, I'm, I'm bringing into my body and then I really need to like move it out of my body. So instead, when we're in this present, this moment of being so present, um, which I consider to be mindful, um, that is the place where really we can make decisions. We can empower ourselves. We can uh, make changes in our lives. It's really when we drop the baggage um, of our past and then, um, you know, stop that worry and anxiety about what if, what if, um, and really just stick to what's happening in the moment. And so with teachers, we a lot of times talk about being present for our students mm. and anything that we do for our students, I feel like we first have to do for us. So, you know, in order to serve our students, we need to be able to do that for ourselves. And so in order to really be mindful um, for our students in that way, we need to adopt that mindfulness practice um, for ourselves. And so I'm not great at meditation, although I, I do, you know, I try to do 10 minutes a day only of just quiet, close my eyes, breathing meditation. I really find a lot of my mindfulness practice besides just trying to like really be in the moment. Um, but when I want to really experience it to a high level, one of my core values is nature. And so just being outside, being um, around the trees and, and just staying present in nature has been so powerful for me. Um, it's really healing. Um, and anything, if something's really bothering me, I normally just go right outside by myself, um, and just, you know, in the corner of my yard and just breathe and, and stay in the present moment. And to me, that is so transformational. And so what I've realized about mindfulness, it's so, it's the simple things mm. it's found, um, in very simple ways. It's nothing complicated. And it's again, meant to begin again, because our minds will wander, we'll find ourselves worrying about something that happened last week. And that's, we're human. And so that's totally normal. And then we just bring it back to the present moment. Um, and then, then if we can offer that to our students, and I, you know, suggest doing that and for my own students, and I know they're older, because they're ready to be teachers. Um, but I always start every seminar class because they've been student teaching all day with just three minutes of, you know, just closing eyes and breathing. And it's 
seems to really help them and then they pass that on to their students. So I hope that mindfulness in the classroom can almost be a ripple effect that teachers that have a positive uh, results with it in the classroom with their students will pass it on to other teachers so that we can all bring this to, to our students. And, and we've noticed that, you know, just informally, we've noticed that um, in the classroom that there's less behavior issues um, when the teachers just practice just a few minutes of mindfulness with the students. Absolutely. Well, stressed out, anxious teachers aren't going to have, you know, happy, productive, high achieving students. That's just not how it works. So um, that's excellent. I love that. And definitely, you know, getting outside for just a few minutes can make a huge difference. I was doing that, you know, during COVID working from home. Sometimes it was, you know, the boundaries were blurred between work life and home life. And I would try at least once a day for like, you know, the length of whatever Lizzo song I wanted to listen to that day and just go stand on my back porch and kind of dance around. I didn't care if the neighborhood saw me. Um, yeah. Just give myself that moment, like stretch my body, move my body, feel the the fresh air, the sunlight or whatever was going on. And it really, um, it really helped. One of my favorite things to do in mindfulness practices I like to share is called a rainbow walk. Maybe you've heard of this, but you can just walk around like you do outside or, or anywhere in a park or in your neighborhood and just look around and see if you can spot something of every color of the rainbow. So really mm -hmm. forcing you to be there in that present moment and observing your surroundings can be um, quite powerful and really help to ground us back into the present moment and feel I really love that. good. And you can do that pretty quickly. I mean, or however yeah. long or not, or make take a long leisurely walk and do it that way. Kind of fun. You can even do it in a room too. If you're in a, a colorful space, you could look uh -huh. around and see if you can spot all the colors of the rainbow. And just just give yourself that that momentary pause to kind of reset and even just breathing. Such an underutilized powerful tool. <laughs> I know. And what you said, I think is so profound too, by just saying that pause, because that's something when we're in that go, go, go mode that we're not willing to do, we have to really be intentional about it to, to pause and reset ourselves to, you know, to be our best selves for everyone around us, but especially for ourselves. Yeah. So I'm wondering, since you work with a lot of, you know, uh, students and folks that hope to be teachers and current teachers and you're also a mom so as a as a parent you know people are really struggling with a lot of um you know what's been going on in the midst of the global pandemic so I'm wondering mm -hmm. what's one piece of advice you would give to people struggling so maybe think about you know it might be different what you'd say to parents concerned with learning loss versus teachers concerned about embarking on a new school year like what what advice would you give so I, I feel that for, and I think this can be um, for anyone, that it's time for us to really put ourselves first so that we could be our best in all these situations. And so, um, you know, one way that you can easily do this is to start by paying attention to your energy and start, you know, thinking about what, what really drains me, maybe what drains me since the pandemic started or, um, or, you know, what is draining me in this new situation I find myself in and then what replenishes me and then begin to choose one energy draining activity to either stop doing it or cut it way down. Um, 
you know, so that you can start really seeing those positive effects. Because I think that almost any question, it always comes back to, you know, we have to do something within ourselves first. A lot of times we're looking in the outer world to try to change something um, or to help ourselves by doing something in the outer world. But a lot of times we have to look within first um, to really figure out what can I do to help myself? So like as, as an example, as a mom, I mean, things change drastically during COVID um, yeah. being a mom. And so um, a lot of draining activities happened for me. And then I had to really sit with myself and, and look at what changes do I need to make to, to start thriving again? Because I feel like I just like a lot of people found themselves initially in survival mode um, and it's a really dangerous place to be, um, when we can take those steps to kind of move out of it. And so I like to look at like, what, what is draining you? And I ask teachers that all the time. I even ask students, um, because I think self-awareness is so underrated, but we've got to be more self-aware than ever, um, during this. So I would say like, be self-aware, notice what, you know, is, is really draining you or what gives you energy, go for more of what's giving you energy and, um, you know, talk to students about self-regulation, how, how they can become better through this and, and really looking at the gifts that come out of every difficult situation. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's important. There are definitely, um, been some gifts to come out of, um, the COVID situation is certainly, um, you know, everybody's coming at this and moving through it. Everybody's experience was different with it. Um, but yeah, thank you. Definitely some, some good advice. And now for, for, for a lighter question, cause that was, that was a little, a uh, little heavy, but, um, uh, we, we were chatting a couple of weeks ago when we in prepping for this podcast, um, cause it happened to coincide with Mercury being in retrograde, which, um, for our <laughs> listeners for me, yeah, yeah. Mercury in retrograde. It's like, no. <laughs> so for our <laughs> listeners who may not know when Mercury is in retrograde is when it appears that the planet is actually going backwards in its orbit but it's actually an optical illusion but this does happen several times a year and julie you may certainly know more and want to add to that um but it can royally mess up your mood our ability to communicate and make decisions so can you tell me more because you mentioned that you make some um adjustments maybe depending upon how you're feeling at, during that time and i found that really fascinating yeah well one of the um you know, the major things that, you know, everybody may know about it, or if you've heard it, it may have been in the context of, you know, like don't sign contracts or don't, uh, that's usually the big one they say. <laughs> yeah. Or like, um, you know, your, your electronics might, you know, not be working properly or something like that. So instead I try to look at the positive side of that. It's really a time to go within um, and to kind of work on things that have already been started. It's a great time to reflect because I feel like we are going, um, you know, kind of in that backwards direction in a way, like feeling that a little bit. Um, so um, I think what I had told you though, that, you know, it really makes me re-examine my life and changes that I need to make. 
And so the specific one that I told you is that I realized during Mercury retrograde, I'm very introspective, especially during that time that, um, I feel like I was just doing too much Mm. in my house. So, so school for me was done. I still do lots of things from home. I write letters of recommendation, have meetings and, you know, lots of different things. And I'm starting a a summer class, um, right after 4th of July. But, um, what I noticed is that I, it makes me aware of certain things. And in this case, um, it was actually cooking for my teenage boys, which I normally don't mind doing that, but I felt like it's just takes up too much of my energy and I need, um, to shift it to more creative projects. So I realized that if I'm putting all of my energy into taking care of everyone at home who can really take care of themselves at this point, then I'm not really living my best life because I want to be more creative and I want to do more creative projects. Um, And so I feel like that intense energy that was happening kind of helped me to see that, to see those things and to, to shift. But I'm very introspective anyway. And and one of the things that I do, I keep a journal where I don't write a lot, but I just jot down what I'm thinking. And I feel like it helps me make these moves. It helps me move forward in certain ways that I, I know that I want to deep inside, but it's just really hard to make Mm. a change. And I think when I had reached out to you, that's what was happening to me that day. And so I cut way back on cooking for now, even though I love cooking, um, because I just, and I wanted to make everybody make it a little more equitable, everybody more responsible for our meals, just to give myself that, um, space that I need to bring more creativity in my life. And and creativity is one of my core values. So I'm always looking for how can I be more creative in my work life, in my home life? It just brings me a lot of joy. Um, even if it's just like, you know, taking care of a plant, just some, anything creativity can come in all forms. I love that. And I feel like, you know, it's okay. Like it's okay if, you know, Mercury and retrograde aside, but if you need to step back and ask others for help or to support you and as Cheryl Richardson would say, one of my favorite self-care authors, you know, resigning as the GM of the universe and you have to take that, (laughs) take that step back and kind of recalibrate, but that's okay. You don't have to go, you know, 10,000% every second of every day. And I know I'm saying this and yet sometimes I don't act this way either because I just want to go, go, go. And then it's like, Oh wait, now I'm like, burnt out and crashing and why gee I wonder so like you have to kind of always have that delicate dance of of when to give when to pull back when to push when to pull and yeah um, I think you described that really beautifully within the context of mercury and retrograde but again outside of that it um it works as well yeah and sometimes we have a person in our lives and it can be different for everyone I think my person for this is really my mom who can tell when I'm taking on way too much mm. and she moms have a way say, of knowing that. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah. And so she may not, you know, say something right away, but as she sees the decline in me yeah, over a little bit of time, then she will say something and it actually helps me. It's nice to have someone in your life that could recognize that, um, to just bring, um, that awareness if you don't have it, um, into the forefront. And that, that has really been helpful for me too. Absolutely. 
And you've mentioned a couple of times your core um, values. So tell me a little bit more about that. So how would how would our listeners begin to develop their their core values? They may be wondering. Okay, that's a really that's a really great question. So we all have core values, um, but maybe we're just not aware of what those might be yet. And so this is actually what's inspired me to start working more with teachers um, in a small group or one-on-one basis is because um, I give this list and I can actually send it to you if you want to share it with your listeners, but it's just a list of all different words that are basically core values. And these core values um, really help us to cultivate our purpose you know, know which direction to go, create that sacred life that we love, that we're all looking for. Um, And so I use my core values as a litmus test to decide, should I take this on when I can? I know sometimes in my job, I don't have a choice. And so what I'll do is I'll try to, uh, I'll try to align the project around my core values somehow. So three of my major core values are creativity to inspire and integrity. And so everything I do, I really want it to revolve around some creative aspect, uh, you know, inspiring some group of people or at least one person and, um, you know, having integrity around the whole process. What's funny about, um, you know, the idea of core values is that I even brought them up on my job interview six years ago um, (laughs) when I interviewed with the dean. And I told, I was very honest with her and I said, I just want to make sure that this position is going to honor my core values. Um, And so we talk through them um, in order to understand what they are. So Um, And then we align everything with them. It's really a powerful way to move you in the direction of your dreams. But what you can do at home is um, I can send you the PDF so that your listeners can try it out. You can even probably Google um, the list. I created my own list based on Elena Aguilar um, had a list out and Cheryl Richardson had a list. And so I kind of took all my favorites from all the lists and so what, what really they ask you to do is to circle the top 10 um, words that really are calling out to you. Like for me, creativity was one that really called out. And then from there to try to whittle it down to maybe five so that you have five core values. Um, so for me, one of mine is energy flow. And I didn't even understand it when I chose it like so many years ago now, but it's still something that calls to me um, in so many different ways. But I just, I'm really big on letting the energy flow through our bodies, you know, taking in the emotion, but realizing that it's only a visitor and that we need to just let it pass. And that the way that we can really stay healthy is to just have that energy constantly flowing um, so that we're not getting like stuck. So, um, I go through this process with teachers in small groups, one-on-one or, um, you know, in a larger group. And then I give teachers a chance to talk about them, you know, partner up and talk about their core values together. And usually everybody has a huge smile on their faces because it's an aha moment that, wow, these words really speak to me. These are my words. And, um, you know, sometimes I had one, uh, teacher who I was working with who actually, kind of drew them out um, and made this beautiful illustration, very colorful, and then shared it with me. Oh, wow. That she she hung up um, in her workspace just to remind her of these 
values. So I think it's, it's really um, powerful to work with them. And once you start working with your core values, it's, um, I think it's a way for you to maybe have more boundaries even, um, because you know what you really want. Um, and so it's not like there, there's a question. Um, and it also, if I've been in touch with my core values, a, you know, a lot sooner, I think it would have been easier for me to create and honor my own boundaries. Um, now I only say yes to things I want to. So I, I'm more inspired as a result. But um, what I've learned now recently is that I even have to say no to some things I really want to do. And that's been the big aha for 2021 for me is actually some projects that I normally would do and just kind of power through and hustle. Um, I'm now taking a step back and saying, wow, I can't do this extra thing, even though I love it. Um, And it's not really fitting into my core values as well as some other newer projects. And what's so funny about that is the minute I give something up, something new um, takes its place. Um, so it's not like I'm ever really doing a lot less, but I feel like I'm becoming more myself. Um, and so nice. it's a process of becoming, and I feel like we're all in this process. None of us are there. Um, but we're all on that path. And I feel like it's a, it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And I've heard, um, Danielle Laporte also talks about, um, core desired feelings. And that's where I first kind of heard about that. But I have seen Cheryl Richardson and um, Elena Aguilar, who wrote uh, the book Onward. And Cheryl Richardson, um, we've mentioned her now twice. She's the art of extreme self-care among any, um, a few other books, too, she's written. That's uh, one of my absolute favorites, though, for sure. Excellent. And um, Danielle Laporte, The Core Desired Feelings. I'm going to have to look back. I know I've thought about it before and I've definitely come up with words. Abundance is always one that um, I come up with that that really resonates with me um, in different ways. But yeah, we can absolutely share that uh, PDF in our episode notes for folks so they can take a look at that and figure out their own. I love the concept of using it for like a job interview. You know, we tend to get wrapped up in these jobs and we seek different jobs because we want the status or we want the money or we want, you know, some other factor. But really thinking about taking a job because it aligns with your core values, that sounds like a recipe for happiness right there. Not necessarily, I know. <laughs> not you necessarily know, the road to burnout. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And, you know, because, like I said, we're all becoming, we're all changing and growing something that really fit us at one time might not fit us anymore. And so if you're listening to this and you're feeling that there are ways to make changes and, you know, perhaps looking into what your core values are is, is a good starting point. I actually have that book onward right here and I kind of flipped through the back. I'm not sure um, if she had, if Elena actually has the core values in this book, but um, I think they're on her website. And so um, that would be a good place to look for them as well. But it is a good starting point. Um, and I really like the idea of creating some type of artwork or something or even listing them and putting them somewhere as a reminder. Yeah, definitely. So 
Um, last and certainly not least, if folks wanted to connect with you or learn more about you or listen to um, the Resilient Teacher podcast, which I know is on a little bit of a break right now, like where can we find out more about you? So it's teachertlc.com. And um, I have lots of resilience resources. I use University of Pennsylvania's resilience skill set with my students. And so that is, um, you know, you can find that on there, some self-care scales um, that maybe you even use too, Teresa. Um, I use are, the Cook Cotton scale usually. Is yeah. That, that the one that's the one you have? A, yeah. And that's one of the ones that are, that's on there. So, awesome. you know, lot, lots of different things. And then um, there is a tab for wellness coaching for teachers in the fall, I'll start up with the small groups again. Um, I try to keep it to like six to 10 teachers in each small group. Um, we meet twice a month on Zoom to really be able to get support, really knowing that all of us want to be seen and heard. And so creating those connections with other teachers who have similar interests is really helpful. And then I'm also offering some limited one-on-one um, -on -one coaching um, for, for teachers who really feel called to either make some changes or really increase their joy or motivation or authenticity in the workplace or, or whatever they're feeling. Um, and so I have a form on my website um, that teachers can just click right there and then fill it out and then I'll get right back to you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You had a lot to share and I love all of it. So I very much appreciate that. Um, so thanks for joining us here today on the Dr. MC self-care cabaret podcast. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you. And take good care. You too. I love Julie's journey. It's a great example of how life takes us on an adventure that may not be what we expected, but can be so much more than we imagined. I also think it's really important to think about your own non-negotiables. Maybe you can start a list, I no longer, and then think about what it is, big or small. And absolutely get into the habit of asking yourself, am I being kind to myself? You have a choice. Self-care is a choice. You get to choose. You have the power. And wow, making sure your job is aligned with your core desired values Asking about this during a job interview? I love it. I bet there would be a lot of job vacancies if folks approach their nine to fives with this mindset. But how wonderful would that be? Something to think about. Now granted, we have to work in order to make money to pay our bills and such, so I know this is not realistic for some folks, but if you can, align your work with your core values and see how that feels. I feel like the COVID-19 pandemic has a lot of folks reevaluating their lives and realizing what is important, and what no longer serves us, and letting it go. Thanks for listening to this episode. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on your preferred player. The ratings help us grow and share the message of self-care. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please reach out directly by emailing podcast at drmcselfcare.com. That's drmcselfcare.com. And come join the cast party at Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self-Care or on my website, drmcselfcare.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and love me across all my social media platforms for the most up-to-date information on self-care.
Thank you.